2: Welcome back, guys, to Marriage of Martinis, and I'm Adam, and here's Danielle. Hello. We have a pretty cool story for you guys to listen to. Well, not story, interview, with Valley, mm-hmm. right, from My Valley Battle Gideons.
3: Call? Yep. Uh uh-huh. yep. My- her blog is My Battle Call. She and I have been friends, again, like blogger friends We online. We had never even, this was the first time we'd even spoken in real life, and that's kind of cool. Yeah,
2: but you knew her story. I had no idea about anything right. that she was talking about and whoa like (laughs) i'm blown away because it's it's there's lives out there that we just don't know don't understand and when you hear them for the first time it's like holy shit this does exist it's not just like in the movies or stories that you hear about from people you don't know or this is real and holy shit
3: Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, in honor of Mother's Day, I mean, there are millions of women we could have spoken to. And I I wanted to talk to Valley because I've known her story for a while. Um, She is, you know, she's raising kids who um, have hearing loss and cochlear implants, while she's also in a military family and has a husband who's gone a lot of the time. And she's, she's has to do a lot on her own. And I always say as moms, we're so hard on ourselves. And Sometimes we, uh, you know, we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we do. But my God, we are stronger than we know and more capable than we believe for sure. And that's exactly what her story is. And it's true that when you're going through something, you know, you're not really thinking about, um, you know, anything other than I need to get through this. I need to come out the other side. And sometimes you're not so sure if you can. But I I feel like as moms, again and again, we all prove damn it we can and so I love her journey I love her story I love the advocacy she's doing and I felt like I needed to learn more about the deaf community and she even she taught us so much and I'm so interested to learn more so anybody who is raising kids who are you who have needs other than typical or um are in a military family, or even just have a spouse who travels a lot. I don't know. There's so many levels that if you listen, you're going to get something out of this. And
2: she's so just like calm and relaxed, but she's speaking about this, and I just like, and I'm just like, whoa, holy wow! I guess yeah. all the time, it's, yeah, you know, you need that. She's she's a strong person.
3: Yep, she's great. So enjoy the interview. Happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. Happy Mother's Day, guys. Yes, or girls. Excuse me. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and enjoy. Enjoy. Hi Valley. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Hey. Oh, and Adam. Hi
2: there. Oh, thank you. Hi, I'm Adam. Here too.
3: <laughs> so we have talked many times. Well, quote unquote talked for what? Maybe like over what a year, year and a half on social media? At least. I think it's almost two years now, Danielle. I think you're right. And this is our first time actually. Talking.
1: I know, but I feel like I know you because I listen to your show.
3: Oh, that's very sweet. Well, I feel like I know you because I've been following your blog, my Battle Call, for so long, and um, I know, I know that uh, you've had that blog for about two years, right? Yeah,
1: I think I just am approaching my two-year anniversary.
3: And can you tell us a little bit about what it is? What uh, what you know, what is the blog about? What do you write on there? And what can we find there?
1: Sure. Well. I studied journalism in college, so I actually have been a writer for a very long time, and then I kind of put that on hold, and then fate would have it on a girl's vacation my, with my two best friends. they asked me why I quit writing, and I said, "You know, I don't really know what story I have to tell, and they said, "Oh, that's too bad because you're such a good writer and then I was tucking my son into bed and A big light bulb moment happened, and it's a long story about what happened. But I didn't want to forget how far we had come in our journey. And I'll go back, my kids were born with hearing loss, and it's been quite a journey. They're now 14 and 12. And I realized I was forgetting how hard it was in the beginning, and I just wanted to have that written so I wouldn't forget. And that's kind of how I decided to start my son's name as Battle.
3: Did you name him Battle after you realized he had hearing loss or was that the
1: name that you had intended for him? No, he was named in my belly and I don't think that was by accident he was given that name. My husband is a Marine, career Marine, and he wanted to name our son Battle and I... For the first couple months of pregnancy kept saying, there is no way I am naming a son battle when you're a Marine. That is just weird. And everybody started calling him baby battle, battle in your belly. And I'm telling you, he wore me down. Next thing you know, we put the name on the wall and that was it. His name was going to be battle and it suits him to a T. And my husband always said, you know, you want it like the Johnny Cash song. You want a boy named Sue? You want to give a boy a name he can live up to? And that's how he always imagined it would be like, I want to give my boy battle a strong name, like battle on the tackle, you know, just like battle Gideon's up to the plate, whatever it was going to be. It was going to be like, that's a name he's going to live up to. And so it stuck. And it's interesting
3: that you, that you, uh, when you said you didn't know what story you would have to tell when your girlfriends said that to you, because I mean, when I think about you and I've read your blog, you have such a story because you're like you said, your husband's a Marine. How long has he been a Marine for? It's 28
1: years this month. Wow.
2: Holy shit. Right. 28 years, like active service for 28 years.
1: Yeah. He's a Colonel in the Marine Corps. So. Wow. Yeah, and I've I've been with I've been with him, I've been married to him for 25 years, but I've been with him two weeks shy of his entire Marine Corps career.
3: Wow! (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about this? Is so for me? This is so removed, especially where we live, and I know very very few people in the military. Um, I, I just I think where we are. It's just, we're in the Northeast. And I just think that it's it's not, I mean, we do have Fort Dix near here and everything, but we, I, I don't know too much about, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be married to someone in the military? Talk a little bit about uh, how it's been going through his career. And I know he's been deployed how many times? He's been
1: deployed 10 times since we've been together. So we met We dated for six months. My father died. And then a month later, he deployed for his first six-month deployment. And so our whole relationship has been a series of goodbyes and hellos. Like, it's really just what we know. So it's really hard to say what it's like because it's all I know with him. And it's changed a lot.
3: Can you can you talk about that because
1: how old were you or how long had you
3: been married the first time that he was deployed so
1: we were dating the first time and then he did a second deployment while we were still dating then we got engaged got married moved across the country and then he had a job where he went on mission so he didn't deploy but he'd be gone for like three months at a time and so that part was really hard because when we were dating and he deployed it was different because I was still you know, living my life as a person with a job and, you know, all my friend group, my family. And then, boom, we got married and he took off. And I was, you know, found myself like, why am I here? What did I sign up for? And I've written about how people say, well, you knew what you were getting into. And I literally, that plays over and over in my head. It's like, what do you mean I knew what I was getting into? It's like, I've never been married before. How would I know? Mm -hmm. you know and I'm changing as any young married couple like I'm changing and I really didn't know how I would handle it and I'll tell you it was hard it was very hard those first couple years we there were times we I wasn't sure we were going to make it because I would find myself going what am I doing what did I sign up for you know I'm married but I'm alone and were you and moving
3: a lot? Did you guys have to relocate a lot or you were, you were pretty much stayed at the same place? No, we've moved.
1: I think we counted it up 10 times.
3: Huh. Wow. See, no more than yeah. us. Wow. Yeah. And Adam's not even in the military. We we, that, we've <laughs> moved six times. And, uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> a lot. At least though. you have an excuse. He doesn't have an excuse. <laughs> so talk to me uh, a yeah. little bit about being married to somebody in the military. What, you know, what is it? I mean, what is it like? How is it, different than obviously being married to, you know, someone just, you know, a regular business person or, um, what, you know, what does it entail to be part of that lifestyle? That's a good question,
1: Danielle. I really do feel like my 25 year old self is very different than how I view it now. You know, I went through a lot of years of secretly resenting him because I mean, the military really does trump all the spouses' hopes and dreams and career aspirations, because my husband always jokes, they don't call them orders for nothing. I mean, it's not, uh, we would like you to deploy. We would like you to move here. You know, we would like you to attend this or attend that. It's, they're orders. And so you feel very out of control. I've had a hard time with that. Cause I'm pretty strong willed and, you know, I have a mind of my own and I have dreams and, you know, goals and coming second fiddle to his started to wear on me for a long time.
3: Does it, does it sometimes feel like he's married to the military?
1: Yes. there some times that it felt that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and especially, uh, you know, as a new married couple, We were going through all the normal things of just trying to be married to someone as well, and then compound it with a cross-country move. We bought our first house, and then he was leaving. But I think it's changed now. One, I think just feeling comfortable talking about the hard part. One, I know I'm not alone. I know other military spouses feel the same and we're, it's okay to say, you know, the parts that we don't like or the parts that are hard and it doesn't make you not supportive or less patriotic. Cause that's kind of the perception is if I say this is hard, then somehow I'm not supportive of the core and that's not true. And more, there's more and more women like me, you know, our generation is different. We've gone to college or we have careers or we have, you know, we have other things going on and lunches and teas and you know just being the military spouse who's just standing by their man that that's kind of falling by the wayside not not that there's anything wrong if that's your thing but it's now not an expectation I've seen that become a big change in in the military yeah Is
3: there, do you have a big support network? Are there a lot of, I mean, since you do, do you live around a lot of other military spouses where you can get that support when your husbands or your spouses are deployed?
1: Yeah, that's certainly been one of the things that either makes a new duty station easier to adapt to or not. We've been stations where there's, we're remote, where we're not on a base or near a base. And so that makes it harder because you're literally starting over, new community, you know, before kids, you know, new job, having to just establish yourself completely, like in a foreign land, is what it feels like. And then some, we've been nearby, near or lived on the military base, and then yeah, you end up with a built-in network, but you still have to make new friends and find your way. So it really never gets. I kind of decided it never gets easier. You just get better at. The process yeah like we have a we're a pretty well oiled machine now like we can put a house together I'm telling you you would walk in our house and a week later it looks like we've been there for like 10 years we just make it happen right and I don't, I don't know if some spouses they they keep boxes like six months later they still have spouses or boxes in the garage and Chris and I were just not like that we're like we're here six months or we're here three years we're going to just quickly make it into a home. And we've, we've become pretty good at it. That's
3: great, I mean, I'm sure you have to, yeah. I'm excited to talk about Myro because it's such a fun, cool company. And they deliver obsession-worthy, naturally effective deodorant that looks as good as it smells. And they made their deodorant with custom blend of essential oils that release over time to keep you fresh. And that they use barley powder to keep you dry. I didn't even know barley powder kept you dry.
2: I don't even know what barley powder is. Well,
3: now you do. Cool. Uh, And here's how it works. So you choose your scent, and they have five different fun scents solar flare, Big Dipper, Chill Wave, Pillow Talk, cabin number five.
2: Oh, cabin number five. That sounds cool. Yeah. I want to try that. I wish I got one. I did try it. (laughs) I stole yours. I know you did.
3: Um, So you choose the scent and the color of your case. You get a refresh every three months straight to your door, conveniently timed for when most people run out. You can switch sense, press pause, or stop literally every time you want. And actually, our daughter, we we always talk about we have a teenager, and anybody who has teenagers knows it's not always so easy to get our kids, like, keeping you know up with themselves taking care of themselves physically stink anyway (laughs) exactly so but she's she started using myro and she's actually using solar flare and she loves it she actually gets really excited about it and she smells really good (laughs) (laughs) so i've been excited about that we
2: got to get the boys on that so they don't stink
3: well no yes that's next So uh, anyway, go to mymyro.com slash MNM, put in promo code MNM to get 50% off your first order and get started today for just $5. Again, visit mymyro.com slash MNM and put in promo code MNM to start smelling awesome.
2: Let me tell you about Lola.
3: <laughs> I would like to hear you tell they us about are Lola. The,
2: why don't you tell us? I'm going to tell you about
3: Lola. Yes. Well, I'm first of all, I'm loving all these companies that are now making it so that I literally never have to leave my house for anything. I mean, what is better than that? Lola is a a female-founded company that offers a line of organic tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes that you can use anywhere on your body. Um, And unlike other major brands, Lola's products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. No BS, no mystery fibers, no doubts about what's going into your body. And especially now, again, I will say it again, we are raising a teenager, and I am concerned about what's being put in their body, and so I feel good about using Lola and I feel good about my kids using Lola. If you go to mylola.com MNM, you can get 40% off your subscription. Visit MyLola.com and enter promo code MNM, 40% off all subscriptions. And I know so many people who have um, daughters going away to college soon and everything. This is a, this is amazing for someone going to college that you never have to worry about it. They come to your door, you customize what's in it, um, what do you want. You can build a box of 18 tampons or 12 pads and the tampons can be mixed from light, super regular Super Plus, anything that you need all month long.
2: You know why I love Lola for real? Yeah, tell C- me. Because now I don't have to go do that embarrassing and uncomfortable trip to the grocery oh, store. Oh, I know. Or it's so the-
3: embarrassing and, and lo- uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> well, it is because I'm looking at a wall of things that I don't even understand. And I have to ask <laughs> for help. And I-, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I don't want to do oh, it. Oh,
3: once a month, you always know you're going to get that yeah. call. I need you to stop on the way exactly. home. I didn't expect to get my period, <laughs> but I did.
2: So I love Lola for yes, that. Yes.
3: I- it is great. It's awesome. And go check it out. Oh, and this is my favorite part. For every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. All right, that's cool enough right there. At right, mylola.com, promo code MNM. You must be, I mean, I always wonder about, you must be, I always think even about police officers, spouses, and everything. Like, when he's out there, especially for six months at a time and everything, you must be, I mean, are you so worried about his safety? Or are there times when you're like wondering if he's even going to come home, you know, and, and how do you handle that? How, what do you tell yourself and how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, Danielle, it's so funny you asked that because I thought about it and I, it again, I think over the years, it's dependent on what's happening in the world. First of all, post nine 11 is when things really started to get scarier for me. And with so much information now where you were shielded, Chris and I talk about it almost the amount of information that we have access to makes it harder than it used to be out of sight out of mind as far as you don't know the inherent danger because you can't see it right where now I mean to turn on I I would basically not watch the news that was kind of my strategy but ironically I started like refinishing furniture late at night before we had kids and That was my way of, like, trying to turn my mind off, and that was me trying to put my energy, my worry into something kind of active, and my mom, my dad was in the Air Force, and my mom said when he was flying missions in Vietnam, she started refinishing furniture. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, I had a new connection to my mom I never knew. I'm like, wow, you felt this worry as a wife and a mother, too, that I never knew. So right. I experienced it myself. And then the other thing is once we had kids, everything changed because now it's not the idea of being a widow that scares me. It's the idea that my my children could grow up without a father. And that, that's when it really got hard for me, the deployment is just imagining what it would do to the children. Mm. Yeah. And it's probably so, so much
3: harder now with social media. They probably see, they can see so much more. So it's harder yep. to shield them.
1: Right. And so now when he deployed this last time, they were 11 and 13. So in years past, we could really shield them from a lot. Like we really played down how dangerous it was. But this last one was the hardest deployment by far. It was one, it was nine months instead of the typical six or seven. My son became a teenager while. Chris was gone. So that for his psyche was just so incredibly difficult because, you know, my husband's now his person. So that, but also just, we couldn't sugarcoat or lie about the danger because they're smart. They deserve to not be treated like you know oh he'll be fine you know it's like no your worry is legitimate it's we've tried to validate their concerns
3: is it somehow i don't want to say easier for your husband that he's leaving but you know he is the one going and he's the one who uh, I, you know, i'm sure he's kept so busy and his mind is a thousand places when he's there do you almost feel like it's it's easier for him being the one who's leaving or do you feel like it's as hard for him or harder than it is for you guys
1: i think that this one was harder for him and i say that because when the kids were little there were two things one when the kids are little they're just hard i mean you know we had two they're 21 months apart so two toddlers you know the chaos of it Mm -hmm. it's just hard but you don't really have strong relationship with them and the connection with them that you know you have now that they're older and for him the technology now we could we were able to FaceTime so he would phone in and see us and I think he says it was harder because he could see what he was missing where before technology he could just focus on the job and the mission and not really be dwelling on what he was missing back home but he was kind of getting the play-by-play of what we were up to but he's not part of it just basically getting to see everything he's missing out on. Yeah, I can. I mean, I
3: can relate to that because we actually, I'm just talking about when we go out, when my husband, when Adam and I go away for a week vacation, we no longer FaceTime our kids because they would get so upset just with us being away for, I mean, that's a week. And so we decided you know, it's okay for a week. You can go without FaceTiming. For you guys, it's so much different. But something about seeing the person uh, that makes it almost more difficult than out of sight, out of mind, a little a little bit. I mean, I know that's you know, not exactly the case when it's a parent, but um, it, it's, it's easier, I think, to just kind of go about your day and not think about it as much.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. He tells his young Marines, he's like, it's a blessing and a curse because you know you can't just put your nose down and just do the job because you are getting access to so much of what's going on back home and it just makes you see and feel and hear everything you're missing and also you know kids are kids so my kids would be in the middle of something and he calls in and they don't come running to the phone you know daddy 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 no they're you know they're doing their thing and that would hurt his feelings and
3: right that was they're so hard. now yeah
1: yeah and um, and one time my daughter she's so cute she's like well he gets mad if we don't act sad when he calls but we're doing what he wants us to do right wouldn't he want us to be living our lives being happy
3: right it's like, hard yeah that's, that's very yeah. confusing for a kid I'm sure too because you want to be living your life but it's yeah that's That's got to be really hard.
1: Yeah. Kids are so adaptable. That's one thing this life has showed me. They adapt adapt so brilliantly. I mean, we had our moments for sure, Uh but my kids taught me I followed their lead. I mean, I I know I set the tone. So if I sit back and cry and say how hard this is and how terrible it is, they're going to pick up on that. I mean, I have a pretty joyful house. I we do fun things. We talk, we laugh and we just kept that going. And then you get in there, you get into the groove once he's gone. And we just roll the three of us. They were nicknamed the G three. I mean, the three (laughs) of us, we go around like a little pod and we just do it. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: then, but that hurt his feelings because here you are just going on without me. Although, you know, he knows in his rational mind that it's a good thing it still just hurts. Yeah.
3: Are you allowed to be in touch with him anytime you want? Or is there like a schedule? Or how does that work? I mean, how often do you get? How often do you actually get to talk to him or FaceTime him?
1: Well, this last appointment was probably the most communication we've ever had. because He had a pretty, he could kind of plan out his schedule. So he would call me Like he'd be working till one, two in the morning and that's when he would call me. But if I, you know, I, I had a means of getting hold of him if it was an emergency. Right. And talk to me, I have to
3: ask this because I know there are so many people and even, you know, we, so many people uh, at home who just have spouses who travel in general and deal with this. And I think you probably deal with it on a whole other level if he's leaving for six or nine months, how do you handle the trust issue? because there has to be a little bit of, I mean, in any marriage, you know, when everybody's home all the time, there's still the trust issue, right? And things we can uh, come up with in our minds and places our minds can go. How has that gotten easier? Or do you have a, a system or how,
1: how do you keep that trust? Do You mean like him trusting me being the the one left behind
3: either way i mean him being away for so long you being home there has to be a little of that back either way both ways of how do you establish and keep that feeling of trust or or do you well thanks danielle i never did till now (laughs) (laughs) okay now now i'm calling bullshit (laughs)
1: no well i mean i think me and him are just so in it together at this point that i mean that's i honestly i never have thought of that angle i mean i did when we were younger and when he was a younger marine going into a port you know they'd roll in on uh they used to be on the battleship and you know they'd be out floating in the sea and then maybe pull into thailand or you know for liberty for like a day or two. And maybe back then I used to... What's for Liberty? Just for
3: like free time, you mean?
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, you're free to get off the ship and like go lose your mind for a day or two. Okay. Yeah. So maybe back then I might have, but for him, I mean, he's in the middle of the desert. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've never once questioned, I I guess I just trust him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I trust him with my life at this point. And I think he feels the same about me. He just knows, I just think he knows he can trust
3: me. I don't know. I'd like yeah, that. I mean, yeah, that's that's amazing that, yeah, I think that's incredible. I think that's probably a, a really, I mean, I, I, I think that says a lot about your foundation and your marriage. I think that's a testament to the relationship that you guys have built. I think that's incredible. And also I wanted to ask about, uh, when the routine, when he comes home, how do you, I mean, because that's gotta be, a, I even know my friends whose spouses travel for a couple days and they come home and it's like their whole lives are disrupted and you have to sort of relearn the new normal of being together again. And now there's this person there who wasn't there before. And all of a sudden they're thinking that they can just, you know, bust right in again and be part of everything that they weren't there for. And what what rituals do you guys have and how do you deal with that? I mean, even in terms of people who are listening, whose spouses travel at all, what tips can you give and advice can you give to for how to handle that change?
1: Yeah, that's a doozy. I wrote an article, one of my, I think it was one of my first pieces that went like crazy viral. Yeah, it was the one, Ashton Kutcher shared it.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I've never been starstruck till that moment. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh,
1: yeah. I was writing about, I wrote about the misconception and the lies about the reunion, what happens after the deployment homecoming. And I was basically calling bullshit on it. I'm like, we had the viral video of the surprise homecoming. It was adorable. It was pulled at your heartstrings and it was real. But then after that video, and you're all sitting there looking at each other, and then like the real work begins. One, it's every deployment, I was just sharing this with a friend, every deployment when he comes home, there is this like window of time is surreal. You're just looking at him, touching him, just staring at him. Like, I know you so well, but who are you? Mm-hmm. and it's just like this out-of-body experience and then like why are you putting your crap on my family room floor like why are you putting your crap on my countertop oh right you live here and Right. so it's it's almost like a physical adjustment to like your stuff like just you're in my space and then it's for the kids it's they're gonna push back you know test boundaries like who are you to tell me what to do you know they're kind of testing him and and for him it's well when do i start parenting you know i got to give them some latitude because i have things on, but then also they have to listen to me cuz i'm their father and then i stand in and say i've been parenting these kids and you, what do you think you're doing like i'm mama bear you know, so I come in and it's like my way or the highway. And so all that just happens. And this time it really threw me for a loop because I thought by now we'd be good at it. But honestly, we made so many mistakes. What I can say is that we know what's happening. That's where the being veterans of this comes into play is, okay, this is post-deployment phase. This is, I'm not mad about the the dish in the sink. I'm mad you've been gone and missed so many things. You know, I, I'm mad I've carried the mother load around here. And so I need you just to be gentle with me while I adapt to this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European Linen, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. It, it just—you have to be patient.
3: How long would you say it takes before you guys are back into a routine?
1: <laughs> well, he's been home a year, and I think we're finally getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be so rough. I'm not even kidding, Danielle. I swear. I, I wrote I believe a it. little piece. I wrote a little piece about, hey, we're still you know, working through it. And Chris looked at me, he goes, are you kidding me? Like, he feels like we're just rolling. I'm still dealing with the residual effects of just carrying the mother load. And I think it's just for so many years, I've carried the load back home that I think it's just the cumulative effect of it. to just kind of caught up with me on this one. Mm. It's like, oh,
3: So Crescent is a concierge service that we've talked about before. It helps couples find the perfect date night activity. And you and I, we always talk about date night is super important. Even uh, the marriage counselor we had on and everybody knows you have to have date nights once in a while. But it gets a little bit like we're always going back to the same restaurants. We're always doing the same thing. It's time to spice it up a little bit.
2: Yeah, We need something different, right? We literally
3: last night went to the same restaurant that we've been going to for years and we haven't mixed it up at all. So datecrescent.com, if you go there and put in promo code MM50 for 50% off, they will do everything for you. They will research what's going on in your area. Whatever price point you give them, they'll keep within that price point. How far do you want to travel? Um, You fill out this fun questionnaire. Let them know what you're into, what you and your spouse are into. Do you like comedy shows? Do you like to go to wine festivals? Do you like anything you like? They will go, research it. And there are three tiers of date suggestions, raising from express to deluxe. And with a deluxe package, they even book the date for you. And every account gets one free express date per month. So if you're like last minute wanting to do something, but you don't have the time to research and plan it, get get in touch with Crescent and they will do it for you. So datecrescent.com, 50% off if you put in promo code MM50. Well, when you say you made mistakes, because I know we have listeners whose spouses are in the military and are a little younger and just, you know, starting to go through it. When you say you made mistakes or what would you tell people to do, to to do what, you know, do you have any kind of insight you can share for anybody who's in the throes of it that haven't been doing it for 28 years, but have been doing it for a year or two years or even five years? What What, when you look back on, do you wish you had done differently from the beginning?
1: I would say to the young wife, spouse, one, accept help. I have been the martyr of the century, you know, time after time, having people offer the help, but feeling like I'm not worthy of taking it or that it's going to somehow make me be perceived as weak. And you've got to get over that. People want to help. And so when they offer, you have to take it yeah can you take my kids can you watch my dog can you you know if you're headed to the store can you pick me up you know some milk so i don't have to put two toddlers in the car and go do it myself but or my neighbor just this past time i had two kids home sick and she said can i go to the store and get you medicine for the kids and i was like yes and the old me would have said no i can do it you know so i think accepting help while they're gone and then i think when they return is putting yourself in their shoes and so knowing that we each have feelings about it and that it's not just how I this time honestly I was able to put myself in his shoes to see how much how hard this was for him that it wasn't just hard for me it's not just hard for the kids but it was also hard for him so also being able to like put yourself in the other person's shoes and let them be able to say what they need, vice versa, I think. Listening and communicating.
3: Do you try to give each other a little bit of space? Do you think that's, or, or do you find time when he first comes home to make sure that you guys have like date night or something to go out and just bond again? Like, how do you work needing space, but also wanting to make sure that you bond again?
1: Yeah, it has to be intentional. So we went away, my mom came and stayed with the kids and we went away for a weekend, but it doesn't have to be extravagant like that. I think it's just taking the time. And we both, like for him, he has a 67 Camaro. And so he'll go out and turn wrenches in the garage. And that's kind of his way he clears his mind. And for me, you know, it might be going to do something else. And so just, I think giving each other that kind of space. Right, because you
3: think, I think the perception is when someone's been gone for so long that you're going to want to spend, when they come back, you know, to us looking as onlookers, we probably think to ourselves, oh, they must want to spend every waking second together. They have been away for six months or nine months. But in reality, you probably need to ease, like you said, back into it.
1: Yeah. What he wanted, he wanted a cold beer. He wanted some good Mexican food. He Mm -hmm. wanted to go to his kids' games. I wanna,
3: I wanna also talk about um, your kids, and it's interesting because not only do you have two, and I said hearing impaired, and you corrected me, and which is great, because I, I think so, so many of us know so little about the terminology and how to talk about it, and what is the proper terminology?
1: I don't really get boggled down with the term. I know just from writing about it and reading about it that some people take offense to hearing impaired because that's somehow saying you know something is wrong with them the word impaired is broken so they prefer now there's lots of you know this this varies depending on what community you're speaking in either depth so there's big d or little d so deaf culture is the big d and those are would be people who do not use hearing technology and use sign language then there's the little d which is my children who cannot hear but they have cochlear implants so they can't with their devices off they cannot hear with their devices on we've gone with total communication where they use their listening and spoken language. And then the term we use is they have hearing loss or hard of hearing is another term people use exchange like deaf and hard of hearing. You say
3: people who don't use the technology and only use sign language, is are they doing that by choice or are they doing that because the technology doesn't work for them?
1: I think there's a whole, you know, I wouldn't even want to go into this part of the discussion because it goes in a whole different direction as far as why people choose deaf culture. So I can only say, for us, we made a very personal decision that our children would be given access to sound through hearing technology.
3: When your both of your kids were born, is this something that you learned with both of them? Um, is, is when they were born, is it something that um, you thought you know that that was going to happen? Is it a gene? Is it is it is it something that you were prepared for, or is it something that was shocking to you when they were born?
1: Nope, my son failed the infant hearing screening when he was born and we were kind of in shock, but we didn't really um, put too much into the fact he failed because a lot of, apparently a lot of kids fail, babies fail, and they called it possibly fluid in the ears. We had no family history, so we had nothing that would um, point to the fact he would be deaf. So we went back two weeks later For it's called an ABR, where they test the brainwave to check check for hearing. And we really did not expect at all to be given the diagnosis we were given, which was, yes, he has severe to profound hearing loss. We're like, what? And I've written about it. That was one of the first pieces I wrote that really talked about our journey. It was getting that initial diagnosis and just being like, what the? This is not what we expected, had no idea, knew nothing about deaf and hard of hearing, never met anyone deaf or hard of hearing. So, you know, we had to roll our sleeves up and get educated quickly. Yeah. So what did that look like? What, What were the next steps after that? You know, I call it the fog. You know, having a newborn, first of all, we were living remotely in Cleveland, Ohio. So away from family and then to get this diagnosis. I barely remember being assigned to specialists, ENTs, geneticists, interventionists. We ended up getting a diagnosis of what caused the hearing loss. So we were, I think that 50% of people with hearing loss never find out the cause. So we found out that we had a genetic mutation that caused this and that his loss was going to be progressive in nature. So whatever hearing he would have would fluctuate or possibly just deteriorate. So that's kind of what led us to working with the experts to choose a cochlear implant. But at, I think he got his first set of hearing aids at three months. Wow.
3: And what was that like? Was it, I mean, did you see a, a, an instant change in his behavior?
1: No, no. It wasn't like the videos you see of the kids' eyes lighting right. up. Right. W- that's
3: exactly what I was thinking of.
1: Oh, I've written about that too. The magic moments, because for a lot of parents, now, I mean, we didn't have the internet when battle was born. There was no social media. So I hadn't seen those videos. So I didn't even know that could be an option or an expectation. Thank That's goodness.
3: probably better, right? Like you don't want to have yeah. the expectation and then it doesn't happen and you're super disappointed. And then when you're, when you, and then you said your, your daughter is 20 months, 21 months later. So were you a little more, were you were you uh, thinking that she, she could possibly have the hearing, the hearing loss as well?
1: Yeah, we knew genetically she had a 25% chance. So I don't know, my brother, who was a geneticist at the time, he's like, Val, you're not very good at statistics because one in 20, like 25% chance is pretty high. Because I was shocked when they came back and told us she also had it.
0: Mm.
1: He's like, I don't know. Those odds were, you know, one in four, Val, that's not, you know, that's not that unusual that she would also have it. I don't know. I thought we'd have a hearing baby. Luckily, we were able to find out before she was born, so we could prepare
3: when I read your um, your blog or when I see your pictures or your posts, I think to myself, number one you you know you have these challenges dealing with with the hearing loss, and for so much of it, you were a single parent yeah. and you're dealing with your husband leaving and coming back and I just my god i mean that i don't know i i mean i hope you realize your own strength because when i think about that it's that's incredible because you're you have dealt with so much at one time and i see the pictures of you and your kids and i see the you know the how well adjusted they seem and how uh how you're just able to like just just get through it all and and to me i think to myself. I don't know that I I don't know that I would be able to do it so gracefully. And I think it's really incredible. You're so sweet.
1: You well, look totally. True.
3: Well, I don't know. I hope so. You know, you hope, but you 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 know, you you think about it and it just seems like my god, it's so much. But um as parents, here's really my my biggest question with all of it as much, you know, I'm so interested in how you got through it and, um, you know, about how your kids have adjusted. But also I want to make sure we talk about as parents, we're always our big thing is you know everyone, every, especially now, you know, teach kindness and spread kindness and always help and um, inclusivity and understanding and all these things that we want to teach our kids. How, if you wanted to tell parents how to deal with anybody with you know, these is is i don't know is is the, the term special needs doesn't even seem okay but any you know any hearing loss or anything at all what could you tell us what what should we be telling our kids and how what what do we need to know that's a big
1: question and such an important one, right? Yeah.
3: That's why I don't want to go. I don't want it to get away from me because I want to know, you know, as kids, I, I, my biggest mission as a parent, and I know so many of our listeners and and so many people out there, that's, that's our biggest goal, right? Mm -hmm. We want to raise good human beings who are going to reach out and be inclusive and be empathetic. And, and this is a big deal to, to, be able to know, have the tools to be there for someone who's dealing with hearing loss or vision loss or whatever it is.
1: Right. I think instead of uh, special needs, now it's needs other than typical. By the way, I think that's kind of the direction I hear people moving. Needs other than
3: different. typical. Okay.
1: Yeah, but then you think, what is typical and what is normal? And what I've learned is everybody has something they're battling whether it's invisible or not. And that's what I tell my kids about their hearing loss. I'm like, yours, I mean, hearing loss is an invisible disability with, except for the fact that they wear a cochlear implant that you can see. But it's actually a tricky, I'm using disability because again, we don't have a problem with that word. Some might, but my kids are like, not disabled. I'm like, without your device, you are not fully able. They're like, well, true.
3: But, um, well, we also don't want to, I mean, I also have to be careful. We don't want people to be too scared to bring it up and talk about it all because at all because we don't like that's, I don't want to walk. I want to be able to walk into a room and like you, you know, you gave me the correct terminology and you were so nice about it. That's what we want to do. We don't want it to be that people are too scared to talk about it because we're going to be quote unquote, politically incorrect or whatever it is, we need to be able to, to make mistakes and to talk about it before we can know the the right words.
1: Right. And I think, I really believe most people are coming from a good place. And that's why my blog now it's really turned into an advocacy kind of platform where I really believe in spreading awareness and understanding and sharing things people don't know. I don't expect you to get it right because how would you know if there's not people like me sharing information? And I know parents and teachers and neighbors and friends that follow my blog have learned, like when they're in the car with my child, they can't blast the radio or my kid can't hear. And I have seen the most amounts of compassion and empathy from people who have really tried to give my children better access just by what they've learned from reading my blog. And that's one thing, but teaching empathy, I think parents have to model it. Starts with how we treat others because kids do what they see, not what we tell them, right? I equate it to like, we walked into the YMCA and there was a gentleman with a prosthetic leg and my daughter's eyes cut to him and then she looked away and I go you don't need to look away how cool is that I mean you can acknowledge it and you could say hey what happened to your leg or you know if you're not comfortable with that you can just look at him and say hello part of it's it's the elephant in the room just someone staring at your ears go oh are you looking at my we call them ears your cochlear implant mm-hmm. I'm like if someone's looking you could say oh are you looking at my cochlear implant yeah what is that just say I like glasses, but for ears. I use it to hear. Oh, cool! And move on. So, mm-hmm.
3: so it's okay. Think, you don't have to tell your your. You shouldn't be. We shouldn't be telling our kids, you know, just act like it's not there. It's okay to go up and ask, and as long as you're doing it in obviously a gentle and kind way. But I think the curiosity is good.
1: I do too. It. I think people want to be seen, and when you see a kid's eyes. A cochlear implant, if you've never seen it, is pretty bizarre looking. If you've never seen it, you're going to look. And that's okay because they're curious. I mean, I don't make my kids bring it up. But if if they want, they instead of the kids just looking away from them, just make it easy for them just by saying, are you looking at my ear? We've had school when they were littler, we do like show and tell. And I would go into the classroom and kind of lead it. And then as they got older, they got to do it. And now that they're middle schoolers, they're like, heck no, mom, we're fine. Everybody knows. So I'm like, okay.
2: Right. Yeah. You just said something that was really kind of, I guess, eye-opening for me, where you said it's like eyeglasses, but for your ears. But we're we're so comfortable with so many people wear glasses because they have visual impairment. Is that the right? like these terms are just tough to keep on top of, but so much of our population has vision trouble that we can't see. So we wear glasses. Um, I guess less of our population has hearing problems, but we use these other devices to help with that. But it's kind of the same thing. And that's what you're saying. It's the eyeglasses, but for your ears, yeah, so I guess you look at that kind of as the same situation where, oh, some people can't see as well, they wear glasses. Some people can't hear as well, so they wear these devices. I mean, is that kind right. of how your kids see these things that they they have to wear to help with their hearing? I mean, is that kind of the way they're taught, or is there a correlation between the two?
1: I think in simplest terms, that's kind of how they view it. And we, we got really good advice very early on from one of the meetings, it's called auditory verbal, it's specific therapy for um, kids with cochlear implants and hearing loss. It's basically teaching them to assign me- meaning to sound because their brains work differently, how the sound comes in and they have to turn it into meaning and then, you know, send it to the brain and then output it. And... He told us very early on to set the bar high. He knew battle was smart. He could tell he was a smart kid, even from as a baby. And he said, set the bar high. Do not measure him next to only children with hearing loss. Measure him against all children. And he will rise and probably go above that bar. If you set the bar low, Mm -hmm. that's how high he's going to rise. And we always, that stuck with me that, but no, he's not doing well for a deaf kid. He's doing well compared to any kid. And that's how we've just always treated our kids. Like, yes, you do have habit harder in certain areas than the typical kid. You have more challenges, you need more accommodations, but here it is, a normal kid.
3: One of my favorite things that, um, is that video that you made a couple years ago about things that people don't realize about. To the deaf community, or the what? What was the other term that you used? Oh, hard
1: hear, the hard of hearing. Hard of
3: hearing, yes. Can you talk to us a little bit about about those about the misconceptions and what we what we don't realize? Because there's so much in that video that I remember the first time I watched it, I thought to myself, "Oh my God, it makes so much sense!" But I never
1: thought of it before. It was titled "Things I Wish People Knew About My Deaf Kid, Little D deaf kid. It was more of an awareness video about like if you speak to me from across the room I'll probably miss some or all of what you're saying. Tap me on the shoulder to get my attention before you speak to me so I can look at your lips because I use lip reading to fill in the blanks. Background noise makes it harder to hear so if The ocean waves or the wind or being out in a gym or in the middle of a football field or in a noisy classroom or the cafeteria all present very challenging environments for them to hear. And then I also, I think, touched on the older you get, if you're deaf or hard of hearing, you have a harder time picking up on social nuances because as language gets more sophisticated, you think about innuendos and sarcasm. If you're missing a lot of it because you can't hear it, then you're kind of missing the social part of it, and that gets more challenging. And kids start to isolate because they feel left out. If you know, imagine a group of teenagers sitting around in a chat, and teenagers speak quietly or weirdly, or you know, they're not looking at you when they're talking. And you start missing. and You're like, is that a joke? I didn't catch it. Then you know, the natural instinct for a lot of people is just to start pulling away. And so, and rather than saying to a kid when they ask you to repeat something, the thing that's most common is people go, Oh, never mind. Oh, it was nothing. And that makes kids feel isolated. So, just simply repeat it. I, that one even struck a chord with a lot of my family members because I had caught them saying, Never mind to my kids because repeating yourself sometimes gets old. I mean, I have to do it all the time with these knuckleheads. Trust me. I'm like, trust me, it gets old. But at the same time, you know, you wouldn't tell a kid in a wheelchair, sorry, there's no ramp, just take the stairs. You know, you would make the accommodation. So partly repeating something to a person with hearing loss is accommodating that they didn't catch it the first time. Just simple things that I take for granted, that people know, but I, again, it's an invisible disability because my kids, And this goes back to what that therapist who said to set the bar high said to us, he's like, someday you're going to realize because your kids look normal, act normal, people are going to forget. And it will be a blessing and a curse because they're going to forget they can't hear. And, you know, you're going to have to advocate and remind people. And then someday they'll advocate for themselves. But right now I don't put that burden on them. It's too much,
3: and do you think that the the fact that they both have the the hearing loss do you think that it has made them closer your your two kids
1: absolutely, yeah, oh, they're thick as thieves these two
3: right, but I would imagine yeah. that too that them having that that bond and that that they can really understand each other in a way that nobody else can.
1: It's one of those things you didn't know it was a blessing till later but You know, my daughter Harper being born with hearing loss, I was devastated at first because I knew how much work it was going to be. And I think I was more selfish than anything, that more surgeries and devices and I don't know, what would you like to mother a a child that could hear? I really just like was jealous of not having, you know, that opportunity.
3: That doesn't sound selfish like, at all, by the way. It sounds completely and totally <laughs> rational.
1: Well, I'm just being honest. And yeah. like, I want a baby that can be in a pool in here because our kids have to take their devices off in water. So my kids have never heard me when they're in the bathtub.
3: Oh, that's got to be scary, too. It is. Yeah. That's
1: probably, the, as now that they're older, it's like the scary parts of it. They figured it out. And I think also being military kids, it's like double whammy, like they're resilient from all they've dealt with being in the, you know, kids of the military, and sharing this hearing loss situation, I think they, they just get it, wow. they rely on each other, they rely on each other a lot.
3: Well, that's awesome, and I, I, I hope everyone will go and follow your blog, My Battle Call, because it really is a special. It's a special blog because I feel like I have learned so much and um, I love the way you're so patient about it and you're so gentle about it. And you just, on all kinds of levels, not just for, you know, for children with hearing loss, but for anybody who is just trying to gain more empathy and teach our children how to be more inclusive. It's just a really great place to go and just spend some time. So can you tell us how to find you, where to find you? Sure. And thank you so much, Danielle and Adam. (laughs) Thank
1: you for giving me this opportunity. And thank you for all your kind words.
3: Oh my God. Well, we're so happy to have you here. And we're so, I mean, I'm so impressed with you. I think that, I think it's incredible what the, the way, how positive and optimistic and just, you're just like this I don't know, you're like this bright light Whatever I see all your pictures and everything. And I think it, it, it's inspiring and it just makes us feel like, okay, we can do it. <laughs> you know, we can get through the hard stuff.
1: Well, and I'll just say before I close that part of why I write, you know, maybe you don't know why you start writing, but now I know why I continue to write. And I, as far as um, being a young military spouse, or a parent of a child newly diagnosed, is what would I have wanted to know when I had that baby? You know, when we were given this diagnosis and I didn't know what was possible, I didn't know what it would look like. What I would want is to be able to see a 12 and a 14 year old thriving Mm -hmm. a family that's just normal I mean we have our problems and my kids can be jerks and they you know I mean they're they are teenagers so (laughs) totally yeah yeah we're not here to be like some kind of you know soapbox um, poster child for how to do it perfectly because we've messed up but also i know my kids are going to be okay now and that's huge because when they were little you know you worry i don't know are they going to be okay and so i want that new mom or parent to be able to go okay yes my kid can totally kick butt and the sky is the limit and i that's really the message i hope people will get from our blog yeah, they will. Definitely.
3: Because it really is. You're, you're a great writer and you have a great story. So, um, so I, I thank you so much. So it's, so they can find you out. On, it's on, face, on Facebook. You're at my
1: battle call. Yep. And I just launched my new website in Ooh. January, my, my battle call. So I've got resources on there. Some free, some for nominal fee resources for parents, teachers, coaches, Um, I've packaged together a little library of resources there and all my videos are on there. Like it's a pretty fun website. So I would love for people to check me out there and I'm on Instagram, my battle call frame thing. Well, we will will link to you. Oh yes. Yes. Me and Harper wrote a book called hearing smearing and it's Harper's it's in Harper's 12 year old voice. And she talks about from being a baby, getting her hearing aid to totally now kicking butt and it's kind of geared towards any parent teacher kid with with dealing with anything out of the ordinary or hearing loss that like look sure it's going to be hard and you're going to pull those hearing aids off you might throw them into the gorilla cage but guess what? Someday you're going to know what they do for you and you're going to thrive just like me. Oh, that's great.
3: Awesome. Well, we yeah. will link to you everywhere um, on our website and on, and obviously on Instagram and our email and everything. So everyone will be able to find you wherever they can find Marriage and Martini's. And thank you so much for talking to us.
1: Thank you, guys. It's such a pleasure.
3: Oh, well, it was great. And I'm so glad we finally got to talk. So um, yeah, this was special.
1: All right. Thanks so much,
3: Valley. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye.